The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the more than I can give and more than I can handle gaming <laughs> podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who is the tonic for what ails me. Josh, how are you doing this evening? That sounds like a music reference. Is that a music reference? It is a music reference. reference. Okay. Uh, it feels like a Goo Goo Dolls song. <laughs> but it is not a Goo Goo Dolls song. I actually is gave it, you the title of the song in the title of the pod, of the podcast, two lines from the song and the name of the and the name of the band all in that intro. Well, not in the intro, the name of the band's in the oh, intro, it's, the title of the Oh, song. it's Goo Goo Dolls adjacent then. It's Tonic. It is. It is Tonic, yeah. <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls adjacent. That's a good way to put it. So uh, this happened to be the song that was on that was on my Spotify while I was writing the show notes, nice. so I just went with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, I am uh, one day post my second co- uh, COVID vaccine shot, so I'm a fully vaccinated boy or man, depending on the day or week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt actually relatively good this morning. Um, but mm-hmm. it has significantly um, changed <laughs> since then. So um, dealing with it, I know it's only going to be a day. So uh, I've been very exhausted and hot. And I don't know if I want to use lethargic, but as lethargic as a father can be when his wife works 12-hour shift on a Sunday on Easter. <laughs> so yeah. it's been a day. <laughs> So but that is the one thing about being uh, a parent that I often feel bad for parents about is that there really is no sick days, right? Like you can't just be like, sorry, kid, I don't feel good. Just don't go take care of yourself. It'll be fine. Don't get anything <laughs> you're not supposed to. Pre-pandemic, it's a little easier because you can kind of lean on friends and family. But yeah, it's been significantly more difficult Um during a time where you generally can't let just anyone that you know take your child because <laughs> they could get sick or pass it to somebody. So, yeah, it is more difficult now, but uh, I was, I'm bummed because I was, like, really gung-ho this morning. Like, I feel great. I'm supposed to feel terrible. It's going real well. I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm feeling extra. I'm feeling less stressed because I know this part is done and and it was great for a few hours this morning until you know until it wasn't so you know well it's impressive that you're even recording this podcast tonight because when my partner got her second shot she was out that's she was just sick sick for like a solid 36 hours so that's what i hear a lot of people getting it i think i was anticipating the worst so i'm just kind of coping with what i have symptom wise 
I took a little nap before we recorded. It took an hour nap before we recorded. <laughs> uh, I actually took a really long nap today too on accident, <laughs> and it was long. I mean, it was not a short nap. That is for sure. So. Uh, yeah, I got the kiddo down, so I, I took an hour nap before we recorded. After putting him down, so mm, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Other than that, feeling good, feeling great. To quote another musical number, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, I know when we recorded last Sunday, because we're recording Sunday night like we always do, you had yes. mentioned, you're like, hey, you know, Sunday is Easter. Like, are, are you okay to record? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, for me, it works totally fine. And I promptly forgot that you had said that this, that today was Easter. So then oh. on Friday, I was talking <laughs> to some friends um, and we were messaging back and forth and they're like, oh, do you have big plans for Easter? And I'm, I go... Um, this is probably really bad, but w- w- when is Easter? Like this Sunday? I was like, oh, so today's Good Friday? They're like, yeah, yeah, it is. And I was like, you know, I don't know what it is about this whole pan. Like any of these things, like my what I would normally do during them is just nothing is the same. Yeah. So I don't know what, like April 1st is no different than January 1st. There's no difference than June 1st, other than the temperature. Like everything just seems the same. I hear you. It's so, not even a blip on the radar anymore. It just kind of is passing in the night sky it is but hey you know you're fully vaccinated i am eligible to get my shot starting tomorrow in nice good for you um, i'm gonna have to probably wait a week just because i have very busy things going on at work so i can't miss work this week yeah in case i do get sick so i have to probably wait a week to do it <clears throat> but very much looking forward to getting that done and getting that taken care of so to help you know try to bring a semblance of of you know, quote unquote normalcy back, though I think things will probably be a little bit different forever going forward. Forever. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, really quick side note, Josh. Mm. Uh, did you know, you know, obviously my little intro to our show this week was all about the band Tonic. Do you know how that is related to video games, though? Uh, I'm sure they <clears throat> were they in like the soundtrack to like Octonauts Psychonauts or something. <laughs> uh no, may, not at least not that I'm aware of, potentially. But Jeff Russo, who is one of the members of Tonic, is a composer now and actually composes for a lot of well-known television shows, oh. um, including things like um, Fargo and Altered Carbon. Oh. And, uh, he did Waco and Umbrella Academy. Like He does a lot of stuff. Uh, he also, though, did the soundtrack for What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, a game that a lot of people enjoy that I've never played. Yeah, so he, he did the soundtrack, <laughs> and that soundtrack is very, very good. Um, so I'd uh, encourage you to check it out. And, Josh, other fun fact, Jeff Russo's wife is Nina Gordon, who is in the band Veruca Salt. Oh, I love Veruca Salt. There or you loved, go. I loved Veruca Salt. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there was definitely a time in my life when I listened to a lot of Veruca Salt. That time was also probably 20 years ago. <laughs> Eight Arms <laughs> to Hold You. That's the album I remember. I remember listening to it in my parents' yes. minivan, and my dad was like, are they swearing on this album? And I was like, ugh, crud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a good, that was a good album. That was a good album. Yeah. So. But I I am uh, a little more partial to American Thighs, which I think was yes, the first that was one. the yeah the first one yeah 
So, but anyway, <laughs> this is not a music podcast. This is a gaming podcast. So, thanks for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all of the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Place of Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. Josh, I, I gave you an assignment. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you prepared for this assignment? I don't know. What was the assignment? <laughs> the assignment was to read out our Patreon producers. No, 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 no. You didn't give yes, me an assignment. assignment. You passed the buck. <laughs> I gave you an assignment, Because you didn't want to read it. No, you said, Josh, for now on, <laughs> you read the Patreon producers. Yeah. yeah Do you have a exactly list? you got to give me a list. I don't have access to that list. You 100% have access to the list because you commented on it. No, but it was pre-update. Uh, Josh, do you, Josh. Do you have Josh, it with you? Well, Josh. I guess you're going to have to do it. <laughs> You know, I'll Josh. do it. Let me pull it. No, Let no, no. I got it. So thank you very much. Michael Massick, Barry <laughs> Cathcart, Edwin Collis, Stephen Keller, Nick Reacher, Rude Day 93, Ben Moxham, Rob Emanuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Groshi Serg, Devin Tyus, RJ Kern. Josh and I are on the list, too. Oh. <laughs> there are probably other updates coming in the future, but that's where it is. Oh, right okay. I see. So thank you okay. all. We do appreciate it very, very much. And we're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. If you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as the, all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, with that, what is your first topic this week? Okay. Well, between now and the last episode, April Fool's Day happened, which it did. a lot of things happened. I had a... Doctor's appointment, which I'm sure I'll talk about in the future uh, on the show. Uh, also, uh, you know, it's the day where you can't believe anything you read on the internet. Or can you? <laughs> Apparently, it's also, well, it's also a few things. One, it's also Deadpool Day, which I had, I guess, not known about or forgotten about. <laughs> I guess, one in the same, <laughs> I suppose. So let's address that first. So April Fool's is also now Deadpool Day. I think this uh, stems from the... Well, it can't stem from the release of Deadpool because that came out on Valentine's Day. So maybe Deadpool 2 came out on April Fool's Day? I believe it is April Pool's Day. Oh, okay. What are you, the <laughs> marketing manager? Uh, so we had an announcement for April Pool's Day from uh, the people over at Restoration Games. Uh, more specifically, the people over at Unmatched, where they are actually releasing a fan-made solo Deadpool character for the Unmatched series. Uh, it looks super cool, and it looks super Deadpool. Um, and I love that. It's basically, uh, for people who don't know, Unmatched is a game that pits uh, fictional, mostly fantasy characters against each other, but there's li literally no limit to who can fight who. Um, at this point, you could have Bigfoot take on Velociraptors uh, or Alice from Alice in Wonderland using the Vorpal Blade taking on Sherlock Holmes and many, 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 many other um, combinations, um, including Rap, uh, Robert Murdoch taking on Bruce Lee if you wanted to, or Buffy taking on Sasquatch. 
So this is now adding Deadpool in the solo expansion a la the Bruce Lee expansion. Um, and this was dropped on April Fool's Day, which I think is pretty clever and creative. And I don't think anybody knew this was coming. It was a very well-kept secret, which I can also appreciate. What I don't appreciate is them messing with me and making me excited and then before I even research it, making me depressed because I just assumed it was fake. <laughs> so I had to tweet at them until I got a um, that's 100% true tweet back. So that was a nice. It's coming out in July. It's going to be 18 bucks, which is such a nice, easy, welcoming price into this game series where you could just essentially get Deadpool and Bruce Lee individually and still have a full game and play them together. Because they do come with boards in their packs as well. Uh, so that's nice. So maybe Deadpool doesn't. No, well, maybe Bruce Lee doesn't either. They don't so show it in the picture. I'm saying, so it's $18 though just for this one character. For right? one character, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I that's mean, does crazy. Does that seem expensive? Uh, maybe when you look at some of the expansions where you get four characters for like 40 bucks, it does in comparison. But um, I think when you see the dedicated sets like this like the bruce lee one i didn't hesitate to spend 20 bucks on uh, maybe that's just me um because when you buy i think when you buy the four packs uh maybe you're excited about one or all the characters i don't know maybe it is a little bit much for for one when you compare it to the other sets but i think as a standalone i think it's okay yeah because i'm just looking and obviously who knows but i'm just looking at amazon really quick and uh, Battle of Legends Volume 1 is $33, basically, yeah. right now. Cobble and Fog is about $38. Uh, Buffy, though, is 40 And then, like, Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf is $24. For two uh, packs, Bruce yeah. Lee has settled out to 15 So Okay. Yeah, so I guess it's a little bit much when you look at it comparatively. Um, but that might just be because of the Marvel license. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they obviously have to pay a little bit for that. So Yeah. Um, so not only speaking of Marvel, we also had another April Fool's Day related story. And apparently my to response to my tweet from this company was because it's from the Lord of Mischief himself, uh, Loki. We had Marvel Villainous announced. We've been talking about this a little bit. When is this happening? Well, now we have it. An expansion to Marvel Villainous. It's called Mischief and Malice. And we're getting Loki and Modoc, which is uh, which is very timely based on the Avengers video game. Yeah. And Madam Mask, who even me as a pretty diehard comic fan, I have no clue who she is, but I'm excited <laughs> to learn about her. Um, they call her the Cutthroat Killer. So yes, so we have a new expansion for Marvel Villainous, which is well overdue. Uh, Madam... Is it Madam? I have to keep referencing her name. Madam Mask looks very much like a, a Mystique-like character. Uh, yeah. In this like, picture, she's holding a gun and what looks to be a remote detonator of yes. sorts <laughs> with many explosions in the background. So I think she's up to no good. She's definitely up to no good. Mischief and malice, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I have to look her up and see. Um, but also, I'm happy to look into, like, find out about her through the game because they do they do still do a good job at um, 
um, introducing you to characters through the game. So this is coming out August 1st, and it's going to be 25 bucks, which is, I think Villainous has right the, the right price on all their games. The main games were a little bit more expensive. Um, at least for Disney, all the expansions have been like five, ten bucks cheaper than the main game. Right. Um, and you know, a little bit, well, I don't know if that's true. I think it might have a little bit more work goes into those expansions because they have to do more balancing because they need to make sure these characters work with all the other ones. I think they could just as well charge full price and be get away with it. Right. So, hey, out uh, of the two, are you interested in either of these games? Uh, I am definitely... Well, that's the thing is that for Villainous, uh, yeah, I'm interested. I don't have the first Marvel Villainous game, so my Villainous is is confined to the other side of the Disney wall for that. Unmatched, I'm really interested in. I don't have anything for Unmatched yet, but that's mostly because I don't know that I have anyone to play it with right now. Yeah. But maybe if things change and the world changes here, like I talked about getting a vaccine and not all that long, uh, it is definitely a game I'm interested in playing because it is up my alley. That is a type of game I, I tend to enjoy. Um, so yeah, this is just, you know, another cool way for, to participate in that game, um, with a character that is fun. So that's cool. Yeah. But for me, you know, both seem interesting. I, I would lean more towards picking up unmatched even at the price. Uh, but like I said, I, w- I would want someone to play it with. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, 100% buying both. Um, also both Skypeable games, um, very easy to play over webcam for people who have it. Um, Unmatched is a game that uh, I, from even just from what I've played, I love the concept of it and how they, that's also another very well balanced game. It's just something I want to play more that I think the wife is a little bit less enthused about playing than I am. So it's more of a battle. I, once this is done with and we can be social, I'll, I'll for sure be getting like my buddies Greg or Joe to play this together two-player like especially in the nights when we can't all do gloomhaven at the same time but we can just do uh instead of a key forge night we can make it an unmatched night gotcha uh so if you had to guess because i know you said you 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 are not familiar with madam mask yeah um if you had to guess like which hero is she most typically a foil for um okay based on that picture i could see it to be Ooh, maybe a Fantastic Four villain? Uh, Iron Man is oh, okay. the answer. So, she yeah. does have like a robotic face mask on in that picture. It is a gold metal face mask that covers up her scarred face. Okay. So there you go, Josh. There you go. Stark so. Industries wrecking people's faces. Since <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that is how her face got wrecked, but... <laughs> so. Cool. Anything else about uh, topic number one? No, I love the I love the news. I hate the day it came out on, uh, <laughs> but I'm still glad we have it. And I and uh, I'm, I guess I'm gonna have to put up even more guards for next April Fools because now I'm gonna just start believing things again. <laughs> right, like you can't do legitimate announcements on April no, Fools Day. I'm people. not happy about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Josh, my first story. Uh, it's also board gaming related. Came out a little bit before April Fool's Day. Uh, but the folks at Z-Man have announced there will be a 20th anniversary edition of Carcassonne. So yes, the much, much loved Carcassonne. Uh, that evergreen game that most gamers have in their, uh, <laughs> you know, who are hobby game players have in their collection. Is getting a fancy upgrade. Uh, this is from ICV2. Uh, and it says, quote, the classic evergreen tile placement game gets an upgrade for its 20th anniversary. 
the new edition offers a new look, enhanced visuals, and a new gameplay exp- and a oh that is ICV two and a new gameplay experiences. I don't think that's how that's supposed to go, but that's okay. Writing things is hard. So <laughs> titles feature a high gloss UV spot print as well as new illustrations, and it includes stickers to decorate with the various meeples. Yeah, the game box comes with a rule book, a supplemental rule sheet, eighty-seven land tiles, seventeen river tiles. 40 meeples, five abbots, a scoreboard, and character stickers. All of that, Josh, for the low, low price of $49.99. Now, Josh, I know you and I, I mean, I feel like we both like Carcassonne. Yeah. I think you like it more than I do. Probably. Um, Thoughts on the 20th anniversary edition of Carcassonne? You in? Do you, is this something that interests you? <laughs> Well, we all know how much of a fan I am of anniversary editions of you board are. games. Um, and I, I have been very excited about this. Um, I think it's a good price, especially for someone who doesn't have Carcassonne. Uh, if you have it, like me, I think the box is the only nice addition to this set. Um, they say the art is changed. It's not changed enough for me to warrant purchasing it again. It looks very, very, very similar. Maybe it's just a little bit touched up and more detailed, but I'm not seeing a huge change in the art. I don't care about the stickers. In fact, I, I dislike stickers and board games in general. I'd rather just the meeples, if I'm being oh, blunt. I mean, <laughs> it depends on the game. And I guess stickers on meeples, okay, that I'm with you on. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I, I get it. Maybe games... if there's stickers in, in like, like Pandemic Legacy or Risk style, yeah. I'm okay with that. But I don't need the meeples. Like, the shapes for Carcassonne have always been very specific, like, the same. They're not like, oh, yeah. this is a priest. Like, no. Why am I, lim- like, limiting where I place meeples now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm happy that this is coming out and probably getting more recognition with the the more recent gamers who may not know of this game uh but it's not i don't even think it's even close to touching what seven wonders did and i still think the seven wonders uh uh anniversary edition is overpriced uh even though i bought it it's still the art is still significantly different more different than the the base game so uh, and the only reason why I bought that was because it was a buy two get one free sale at Target, ironically, so I can get a Disney uh, Disney villainous expansion. <laughs> oh well, there you go. The so, art, yeah. I agree with you that the art upgrade. I, I don't know if this is going to make sense to the listener because obviously you can go to ICV two and you can see pictures of it. But to me, when I look at the art, I feel like they said, "Hey, we want the art to be the same, but just update like more detail exact same art today basically yeah right? yeah i yeah i agree with you it doesn't look any yeah it is it is tricky because it doesn't look any different from what you would imagine the tiles to look like if you played it it's just um enhanced by mm-hmm. one <laughs> yeah so on a on a scale okay on a what percent chance that one year from today what is the percent chance that this version of Carcassonne will be in your collection? Oh, probably zero. Oh, okay. I would most likely buy the Ticket to Ride um, Europe uh, Anniversary Edition before I'd buy this. And I think um, if it came down to that, those would be when I'm looking to update my collection and replace mm-hmm. a game I already have, the Ticket to Ride one will come first over this. 
obviously you mentioned Seven Wonders and their yeah. new edition that you dove in on. What have you? What other anniversary editions have you picked up? I think the only other one I have is uh, Ticket to Ride, the tenth okay. anniversary edition. Um, I mean, it's I could potentially have other anniversary editions of games, but it might just be because it's the first time I've bought the game. Oh, like um, Escape. Oh, okay. That, uh, is that the game name of the game? Escape? No. Shoot. What is the name of that game? Where you're on the island and you're trying to get to the shore and see monsters and sharks attacking you. I think it's well, called Well, are you talking... Uh... There's multiple. Oh, survive! Uh, not, Sorry, survive, survive! Escape from Atlantis, right? Escape from yeah, it's right in front of my face too. Okay, uh, I have the I think 25th anniversary of that, and it's the first time I've. That, that can't be right. Is it that old? Survive! Escape from Atlantis came out in like the early 80s, I think. Originally, 30th like, anniversary. Edition. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I have the 30th anniversary edition of Survive, um, which I picked up at a bargain bin at a Barnes and Noble in Cape Cod. <laughs> uh, ironically. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So that was a game I had that first time I got it was an anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. So there might be other games like that, but nothing that I like um, purposely entered buying a reprint of a game. What games? Because I don't have any that I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know that I've ever purposely sought out a 10th anniversary edition. So I guess in that case, I have none actually that I know of right now that weren't like just the general printing of the game yeah. for that time. Are there games, though, that you absolutely would buy a 10th 15th 20th anniversary edition or you would definitely be like "Ooh, i really would like one for a certain game yeah i mean there's a ton of games i would love that for i think um betrayal at house on the hill is a game that screams um i know that they've done expansions now with like scooby-doo and Betra- and the D one but like that game really screams do me over and fix my pieces uh more than any game i can think of as far as for me, how much I enjoy the game compared to how poor the quality of the game is. <laughs> uh, it's just an old game where its pieces don't hold up. Right. So I would love them to fix that. I know they've done like a character expansion pack, um, which fixes some things, but really that could use a real overhaul. Um, and I think we're in the time where that game, if people already don't know about it, this is a game that I think everyone needs to play. So I would, I would love to see, an a a anniversary edition for that. Well, the original came out in two thousand four. Okay, so, so we're not close. Too, yeah, not too far away from a twentieth, and the second edition came out in twenty ten. Yeah. So I mean, we definitely could use you know a nice little anniversary edition in twenty twenty four for sure. We're right there. We're not too far. Yeah, I would love to see that. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other games I would love to see um, anniversary editions for. I'm just trying to like rack my brain on what I think is a good one because I could pretty much say any game I like could go for an anniversary edition. But when you think of anniversary editions, I think you have to think of a general mass appeal mm. because you're really just polishing. I almost said a turd, and that's not what I meant. <laughs> Polishing a gem <laughs> right. uh, that a lot of people agree is a great game. Uh, I mean, we got a bad version of it with the pandemic. I really kind of hoped for a better version of Pandemic for their tenth anniversary, their anniversary, which yeah. was a hundred dollars and really did not like improve on the game very much. 
I gave you these weird, not very nice painted <laughs> miniatures and uh, came in like a first aid box. But that was pretty much yeah. the only difference. <laughs> I looked at that and initially it was like, oh, of course I'm going to get the pandemic anniversary. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I? And then I saw it and I was like, <laughs> eh, maybe I'm not getting the anniversary edition of pandemic. Yeah. And part of me is actually pretty happy because I, I don't, I think I still have my original version of pandemic. I'm pretty positive still has like the wood cubes. Oh yeah. Yep. So like I have like the old school. I think and we have the wood cube like, oh, one too. How cool I am. Um, it just, yeah. Cause they, they went to the plastic ones pretty quickly. I feel like. Yeah. So, you know, we need, yeah. we need a risk anniversary edition. We need an updated We've seen so many expansions to risk, and when yeah. I say expansions, I mean um, like um, like rebrandings, not expansion, mm-hmm. like a rebrandings of, of risk, and uh, and like risk twenty seventy seven is that what it is? AD. Oh my gosh, there's so many risk yeah. variants. <laughs> Godfall and all these other ones. Um, not Godfall, <laughs> Godstorm or Mana Storm or whatever they call them. Um, I would love to see like an updated, fully fleshed out, expanded, really nice figures, not well, maybe not figures, pieces version of, of Risk. I think that would be really cool. All right, Josh. So here we go. Tell me whether or not the, these versions of Risk should get an update, okay? Hmm. Risk Transformers, the Deception, the no, se- see, Deceptic Invasion some- of Earth. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Risk 2210 AD. If that's the one I'm thinking of, that's a really good game. I've played it a few times. If it's the one that has the moon on it. It does have the moon. I believe Risk 2210 is the one with the moon. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Risk Battlefield Rogue. Like Battlefield. It's like Battlefield, the game Rogue Company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. Came out 2013. Should that get an update? No. No. Okay. Risk Legacy. Yes. I would love a new Risk Legacy for sure. Uh, It came out in 2011. So we're at the 10 year right there. Uh, Mm. Risk Game of Thrones. No, okay. I'll save you time. Any license risk? The answer is no. Well, now hold on. Don't don't go too <laughs> including fast. Including risk Halo, which I think I own. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, risk Godstorm was the next. Godstorm. Is there, is there, I've heard that's yeah. very good. I haven't played it. So, uh, Josh, and this is why I said, told you to slow down. Risk Mass Effect Galaxy at War. Yeah, listen, I'm Matt. They say. Kill your darlings. Mass Effect is my darling, and I don't think it deserves to be pasted on any game in general. So I won't even play that, just on principle. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't go through the rest of them though. But Josh, if you had to guess, what year do you think Risk came out in Ooh, originally? Um, maybe I guess like 1963. You're not far off. You're not far off. Uh, 1959. Oh. Okay, I was so, going to guess 50s, but I figured it was too early. Which actually then, did we go through the 50th anniversary with nothing special? It sounds like it, huh? We did. Oh, that's disappointing. So anyway, but I agree. Risk would be a good one. Any other things, games that you think would have a cool, could have a cool anniversary edition? Well, I'm looking at this thing on Amazon and it's called Risk 60th Anniversary Edition. Oh, they do have one, And it's eh? $40. So that is not overpriced. However, it is not <laughs> how I pictured an anniversary edition to look, especially for 60 years. <laughs> now, the box looks 
relatively cool, but also manufactured. Because it's Hasbro, right? I guess what was I expecting? <laughs> oh, this is disappointing as all get up, Josh. Yeah, all the figures look terrible. Actually, Ugh. they look worse, I think, than the base game. Yeah. Even the mounted horse guy, the gun is half the size of the guy holding it. Well, clearly I uh, was wrong. They obviously <laughs> did have a 60th anniversary edition, but uh, it looks like they shouldn't have, maybe. Now, it doesn't look great, if I'm being honest. There was a 40th anniversary edition as well, which looks... Uh, does it look worse? It looks <laughs> just as bad. That one's $160, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... There appears to be on Target a 60th anniversary deluxe board, which looks remarkably better, but it only uses wooden cubes. Uh, and that's $109, so it's not even... Uh, I mean, it looks... Uh, a hundred times nicer than the version we were looking at a second ago. <laughs> <It's not laughs> and that that's <laughs> not to say much. It looks, the board actually looks, it's like a fold up board. It almost looks like a shadow box, which is pretty nice, but everything is wooden cubes. They don't even have a difference between cannons and soldiers. They're all wooden cubes. Excellent. It's very minimalist. Do you think that they could make a really fancy version of Risk and fund it through HasLab? Yeah, or even Kickstarter, to be honest with you. Right. I'm just thinking since they did HeroQuest through HasLab and it did really well. They did a really fa fancy version of Risk in Risk Legacy. Like, they could just the, yeah. do that. That's true. Because um, I, I, I know the pieces aren't crazy different from Risk, but there there's a lot going on in that game that right. isn't going on in Risk. Right. I'm just thinking, you know, since, you know, Hero Quest was a $100 mm. base game, if I recall, you know, it seems like they could, for a less risky way of doing it, go the HasLab route and make a really, really cool version of, of Risk. For yeah, people. I think so. I think so. But wherever do. How about you? Did you have an answer? Is there a game that you would want an anniversary uh, edition of? There is a game that I would want. I think it's going to be pretty known to everyone why it would be this game but i also think not only because it's like my favorite game but it also works really well for it, and that would be dead of winter yeah <laughs> if you think about the fact that they had standees for everything which yeah. could easily become miniatures and there's a lot of bits in the game that you could easily upgrade like there's a lot you could do to that game sure. to make a really really nice 10th anniversary edition and which i think is right around the corner not too long 24 so it's probably 2024 i would guess I think that's a 2014 game. Let me tell you when it came out. Dead of Winter. You know, there should be a thing in the internet where I don't have to type in a wiki after a search. <laughs> oh, if you just go to Board Game Geek and look up the game. Oh, that is also true. Yeah, 2014, you nailed it. Okay. So, yeah, I think that would be a cool thing for them to even probably start planning now. Of You can make a really, really nice version of that game. Um, and kind of almost spend as much money on it as you wanted to, just with all of the things that are in there. Uh, and I think that'd be pretty cool. Could you imagine, Josh, could you imagine a 10th anniversary edition of Gloomhaven? <laughs> Not right now. I can't based on what's going on with Frosthaven. <laughs> but um, 
I can't imagine not wanting to own it, <laughs> whatever <Right>. it would be. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so that's it, I think, for Anniversary Editions. Uh, listener, if you have a game you want an Anniversary Edition of, let us know. We'd love to find out and love to hear and talk about that more. Josh, what is your second topic? Okay, my second topic is about Outriders. Outriders launch has been marred by ser- server troubles, amongst other things. Um, and this may be why. This is from Eurogamer. We found out that it hit over 100,000 concurrent players on Steam on its launch day. Um, yeah. Which is which, uh, where it is the, currently the top selling game. Uh, as point of comparison from, this is again from Eurogamer, uh, Square Enix's high-profile flop, as they call it. I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers had a peak concurrent player count of only 28,000 players. So this is almost five times as more successful amongst streamers than The Avengers. The Avengers. <laughs> Marvel's The Avengers. So... I'm not a smart person, Josh. That's not true. <laughs> but no, for, okay. So a hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam, which means that a hundred thousand people literally on Steam were playing the game. Correct. It's not counting like, oh, you're in since it's a cross-platform game that yeah. you can literally cross-play. It's not being like, oh, you're in a group of three and one of you is on Steam and the other two are elsewhere. It's just it's not Steam. counting all three of those people. Okay. And well, yeah, and uh, this I mean, game is cross-play. Does, that does that does make uh, the Avengers look pretty bad, then, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, considering this game launched full crossplay, so you're not. It's not even taking in compare in, into account PlayStation Five and Four and Xbox Series X and Xbox One X users. Well, and let's be real. Apparently, for PlayStation Four user, you should not be playing. This Appar- game right apparently now. not. <laughs> Although Ooh, I did play. With someone playing on a One X, and they did not experience nearly what we saw screenshots coming out of the PS4 from. Um, so the reason why I brought this topic to the show was because of the positive messaging around this. Now, we've seen this happen before many times uh, in regards to um, a game kind of being uh, we'll say quote unquote broken at launch where you can't play it. And because Outriders is an online game, even if you want to play solo, you have to play online. I do think, and this probably shows a little bit of bias because I like the game. It's catching a lot of heat because of this, but it's not like it's the first game to ever do this. I think the problem is, is because this is a game that launched on day one of Game Pass, that you were expanding your audience, which I don't know the numbers, so I'm just guessing, right? by so many, and that their servers, going from the beta, which was just kind of like, hey, it's not beta, demo, because it wasn't a beta, according to the titling of it. It really was. <laughs> um, because of the title, people weren't necessarily just playing the demo, and because a lot of people... However, many millions of people subscribed to Game Pass. They didn't. There's a lot of that percentage that didn't play the game because it just wasn't up their alley, or they didn't want to spend sixty dollars on the game, or they didn't want to play the demo because they couldn't spend sixty dollars on the game. Whatever the case may be, that are now playing it because it's included in Game Pass. 
which doesn't really help them um, stress test their servers, which is what they were really doing during the demo. Well, I mean, the demo was available, though, the entire time after it was announced that the game was going to be on Game Pass. So theoretically, those people could have jumped in then. They could have. That's that's also true. Um, they could have done that. Uh, maybe And maybe some people did. Maybe some people waited just to start from scratch. Who knows? But um, the reason I bring that up is they were pretty, like... Tra- transparent about everything we've talked i've talked about people can fly in the past couple of weeks about how transparent they've been with gamers and mm-hmm. how good they've been with um communicating what's going on and the fact that they patched a demo and all these things and the same thing rings true with the servers being down they're really only down for the first two days of the game's release which I get is frustrating for gamers who buy a $60 game and want to play it. Um, but they weren't down to the point where you couldn't play solo. They were just down to the point where you couldn't play with friends. Um, there was a small window where servers were just down in general, but they were upfront about it and they were like, hey, we're, I think they said, we're doing the mother of all hard reboots. <laughs> and they're like, we're really hoping that this helps. And then they did something that I had never seen done before. When they brought the servers back up, they brought back every server except for U.S. servers, which I was shocked at. But then I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Your volume is all U.S. gamers for the most part. So giving these the other countries in lets you kind of figure out if anything's going to pop. And it did, and they fixed that as well. Um, so that being said, I was trying to play the night of release and was uh, was able to play with two other people after many attempts in re resetting the game and rebooting the game and jumping back in. And then we were eventually booted while we were playing. But the second night after release was fine. I played, no problems. We didn't get booted, no issues at all. So um, I think this is a weird way to say um, this is a very successful launch for Outriders. Um, what do you think about all this? It's hard because invariably this seems to happen with games, even if it is expected to have a huge launch, right? That games, online games, server maintenance, all that stuff just always seem to be a challenge. And I think we do have to... I, th- I think both sides of it are right. You, it's nice to give some grace and recognize that they're obviously that's just not what they want to have happen. And they're trying to work as hard as they can to resolve the situation. So that's one thing, but also like if you're a consumer and you bought a thing and you can't use the thing you bought, like you have, you know, the right to be frustrated by that. Um, so it is that delicate balance of what is the right expectation. This is one of the big reasons why I think games launching on Fridays is such a bummer. Like, it's cool because, like, we have the weekend to play, but then it means that all the employees have to work over the weekend to make sure their yeah. stuff don't break, you know, <laughs> which is a bummer, especially, like, this weekend. It was Easter weekend. For some people, that's a really important one. And, you know, all the things from people that people can fly came out being like, hey, we're here, we're working. And it's like, oh, that's too bad. Like, I kind of felt bad, you know, that <laughs> all these people are trying to make it so that – your your gaming experience is good. It does sound like actually that uh, auto, uh, crossplay is disabled right now between console and PC. Yes. PC, yeah, um, and it won't be re enabled anytime this weekend still, which is obviously still when we're recording. Uh, but it does sound like today things were better. Um, I do know people were. I do know 
individual people who are playing single player who are getting dropped um so it does still happen and that is always a hard thing of like why if i'm playing a single player game do i have to be connected yes you know that that is always an interesting decision but i'm sure there's something with loot and all that good stuff that probably makes crossplay a thing you can do that requires this that is why everyone has to be on is is in order to make cross play and cross progression and all that good stuff happen um so I think it's a trade-off there, but overall, I think it is a been a successful launch for them. I, I do hope that all these uh, issues get ironed out. It does sound like the experience in the full game is better than the experience was in the demo, which is great. Yeah, for um, sure. Actually, that, that I would I would remark playing this. There is a I said remark, and I'm going to say remarkable. Uh, there is a remarkable difference between when we played the demo together and what I'm experiencing in the game as far as smoothness and control goes and even like the audio sync is fixed so it's oh, a, it's good. it's a it's a pretty big uh improvement that is good cuz i couldn't even look at the screen when i know cuz it drove me nuts <laughs> it was tough <laughs> so but no it's i'm glad to hear that overall it sounds like things are going well for them hopefully they can you know iron out those tech issues though cuz you know, unfortunately, too, those tech issues, if they don't get ironed out, those are some things that people who were going to give the game a chance just are going to never come back. Yeah. Yep. Like, if this wasn't a game that was totally up their alley, they're like, well, I'll give it a shot and it doesn't work. Those people might just be gone. And that stinks because, yeah, I, I hate to see that. And I was thinking that when I was looking at a lot of the comments uh, online, which I should never do anyways. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you, I think where we're at, unfortunately... I don't see this changing anytime soon. And I, but I 100% agree with you as to how frustrating this is. Like, I'm not trying to give them a pass just because I like the game. Like, it is terrible when you spend money in a game and you can't play it, regardless mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, that shouldn't happen. And we should be at a point in time where that should not be a thing. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it is. So um, I would hate to see people not play it because of that. Um, in, I don't, there's, there isn't, I'm not going to sit here and say people should give it a chance because it's a, a perfectly reasonable um, thing to not want to play it because of that. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Well, and th- this has been a thing for a really, like, basically since online games have been a thing, this has been a thing, right? That server issues have always existed. I, I distinctly remember going to multiple midnight launches for Call of Duty games, and I don't know why I bothered doing it, because when I got home, it's not like I could play multiplayer anyway, because the yeah. servers were just busted, you know? Yep. So I'm like, I don't know why I went to this midnight launch. I guess I'll sit down <laughs> and play the single player campaign, because which you could do that. That was the difference. You could do that. You could do it, yeah. But yeah, I was like, yeah, the multiplayer just doesn't work right now, so... <laughs> But big, big, you know, I'm really happy that this is working out overall. It seems like well for them, you know, obviously, like we talked about a few bugs to squash here to, to improve some stability. But overall, I'm, I'm glad people are liking the game and that this is showing to be a success for people to fly because um, I, I like some of the stuff they've done. I think they make cool, unique, fun games. You know, yep. they're not going to be the deepest, most thoughtful games, but they tend to be darn fun to play. Um, and I think that's what we see here as well. So. Awesome. All right, Josh. So my second story is those fun folks over at Activision um, who have done some DMCA's 
because of some COD leaks. So Video Games Chronicle says his Twitter account was locked for a post about a new war zone map. So this is from Game Industry Bot Biz. Um, and the article just says that, uh, quote, Video Game Chronicle editor-in-chief Andy Robinson has said both his and his outlet's Twitter accounts were temporarily locked today as a result of a Digital Millennial Copyright Act claim from Activision. Last night, Video Games Chronicle posted a story about a new map for Call of Duty Warzone that included links to the origin of the leak and embedded videos showing the map in question. That story remains up, although one of the embedded videos hosted on YouTube is marked no longer available due to copyright claim by Activision Publishing, Inc. I'm going to stop right there, Josh. So, <laughs> this happened uh, earlier this week, and it was not just Video Games Chronicle who got DMCA. There are some other folks who got it as well. Number one, Josh, is this okay for companies to do? It sounds like censor- censorship to me. So, no, I don't think so. Okay. People like Jeff Grubb wouldn't have a job because <laughs> every news, anything they give information to people, it would immediately get DMCA'd. Because that's like a weird thing versus i don't want to versus i don't want to say real news but like <laughs> when you're reporting on like the government right and yeah. something happens and you leak it like there's no ownership of that item right like it's so it's actions that like affect the people like you know what i'm saying whereas like if you <laughs> leak information about a video game that those those things are owned by somebody right like the stuff there the images that is owned by someone so is that different? I, I mean, that's not Edward Snowden, if that's what you're asking me. <laughs> like, well, I, but I'm just saying as far as the role of being a quote-unquote news reporter in video games, when you're reporting on content that is owned by someone versus actions sure. that people do, you know, does that make it different? If you're a news reporter and somebody else leaks information about a game, if you would be stupid not to report on it. Um, and maybe I guess that just comes along with the territory of, um, I guess I'm just going to accept what comes down on it from that. <laughs> like they're going to report on that and they're not going to worry about DMC, right? If it happens, it happens. But the point is their article gets out, right? So this is mm-hmm. a news story because it's a news story. It's not a news story because they released a leak of Call of Duty. It's a news story because it got taken down. So really... Activision's not doing themselves any favor. Favors, they're drawing more attention to themselves. Because now everyone's like, oh, what was the leak? Google, 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 Google. What was the leak? What was the leak? Oh, it's just a picture of a guy and a gun on a map. I don't care about this. (laughs) Like, I don't don't get why they care so much. I I guess is a roundabout way to come on to that. Do you think it's different since instead of just saying or stating that, hey, there's a new map coming for Warzone, yada, yada, yada. Instead of doing that, they actually linked to content showing that map, showing... Do you think that makes it different at all? Maybe if they they feel like they need to get ahead of it, I guess. I don't know. I just really think like a company like Activision or anyone, they could spend the resources that they're spending to shut down the rumors to just finding the person who leaked it instead. <laughs> like, Oh, they're hey, probably doing that too. <laughs> hey, let's, it's I don't know that it's there. either or for them. We, we live in a world where once something is on the internet, it's on the internet forever, right? So they're spending their time paying people to search down this information and remove it from the internet. 
it's not something that a court's going to do for them. They need to like actively look for it and report it and get it taken down. So they're spending resources on a leak from one of their employees, which is always going to happen. I don't understand why it always happens. I don't. I really am shocked and confused by people who don't have job security concerns coming from someone who does have job security concerns. <laughs> I would never post a picture of something we're using that we're not supposed to <laughs> at my work because I would I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> I, I would guess that most of these people who leak information like this, like, and I'm not, I don't want to paint a broad brush, I'm guessing they're probably folks who are either contract or in low entry-level positions that have low job security that maybe aren't paid the best and have to work on. You know, sure. I think it probably has more <laughs> to do with that than it does, you know, oh, I'm the like Yeah, but if you're Kyle the leaker, people aren't going to hire you on new jobs. Well, right, but if, you know... If hey, I, we right. just hired Kyle for... <laughs> hey, guys, it's Sony Santa Monica. Hey, we just hired Kyle. He used to work on Ghost of Tsushima. Wait, you hired Kyle the leaker? Uh, oh, no, is that him? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I put on my resume. That's how they yeah. all do they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's an interest. I think it's an interesting uh, thing that happens, but it's been happening. Like this seems to be uncontrollable and unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I guess I don't understand the aggressiveness of like all these DMCA warnings or or takedowns or whatever. Like, just do a better job at <laughs> making sure the. Like what we see a lot is the watermarks now. Just do that more often. <laughs> like make an employee because you can't trust anybody work right. on level design with their own named watermarks on the whole background of the game. <laughs> wasn't it? I think wasn't it Xbox who they when testing like their new UI or whatever. Like it was different for everyone. Like in the upper right hand corner, like the sequencing of like whatever it was was different for everyone so that if if screenshots did get out they would be able to identify like who actually it was but it was so nuanced that you'd never you know, wouldn't know just looking at it <laughs> yeah. that you would know you're just like oh that's a cool design but it was actually a way to identify like everyone who is doing that that's smart that makes sense so i i always go back and forth on this in the sense that i don't it's hard when what you report on is somebody else's stuff you know and yeah. we see it all the time i don't know that this is necessarily super different than like set pictures yeah like they're not you know, authorized from a movie, you know <laughs> like i i don't know that that's super different than this um but the thing that always bums me out about this when i hear about these things and i hear about and not that they have to have and not that this is their relationship but i always get sad when i hear then developers and people talk about the games and about games who have been leaked and when they ask them about what that experience is like and them just talking about how heartbreaking yeah. and crushing it is to them yep. when that happens i agree and that's that and that so for me then i'm like well you know is activision doing this is this in some ways a weird way of them trying to be supportive of their developers of we're not taking this lightly like we support the work that you do like we're not going to let people do the, like you know do this to you quote unquote um, without there being some sort of, um, pu- I don't want to say punishment, but accountability for the actions that were taken. And I, like I said, I'm not saying it's right, but I, I always go back to like hearing those developers talk about how disappointing it is when 
you've been working on something for so long and you really are trying hard to think about how we're going to roll this out and reveal it to the world. And then it just, it leaks and someone's like, Hey, here's this thing. And like, we all eat it up. We're like, Oh, that's so cool. And then, you know, three or four months later, we get the first trailer. We're like, oh, yeah, it's the thing we all knew about. And we all just kind of move on. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine how hard that must be, you know. So it's just a weird situation because Activision is definitely not the only company who does this. Definitely not saying that. Obviously, last year when The Last of Us 2 leaked, like Sony was DMCAing people hardcore who were, you know, posting things related connecting to like actual content from the game ahead of release they were doing it really big and you know there were some court decisions that said that hey you probably shouldn't do that this way but yeah it's just such a weird like odd situation for everyone involved because you know it's like yeah it's the news i guess (laughs) yeah I, i just always like get really i don't know video industry news is just a weird thing to me i guess Right. Because it's the video game industry, like, and I, the things about, like, worker rights and working conditions and things like that, like, those are newsworthy things, you know, a new map coming to Call of Duty Warzone. Oh, wow, wow. They're going to still make content for the game that's super successful. Imagine that. Yeah. Or the leak, a new Battlefield is coming. Oh, right. Uh, shock. Wow, I'm shocked. Another installment in the really <laughs> successful video game franchise. Yeah. Imagine that. Oh, wait. The game that comes out every year has a new one coming this year. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Anyway, I just want to talk a little bit about that. You know, if yeah. you hey, if you're a fan of Warzone, looks like you have a new map to come forward that's gonna uh, that you can look forward to. Just you know, don't link to any of the leaks about the actual like videos of the leaks because then you might get a DMCA. The news. <laughs> yeah. So cool, Josh. What's your third topic? Well, Kyle, there's this game on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's a game that launched with a fifty thousand dollar goal. It currently is at $287,000 of its... And it is a brand new take on classic comic book card game. It's one to five players. Of course, this game I'm talking about is Sentinels of the Multiverse Definitive Edition. And you're probably not going to be able to guess why I'm bringing this to your attention today. I'm curious, why are you bringing this to my attention, Josh? Well, we all know my love for this game. What I would like to point out to people who might want to look into this, Kickstarter. I keep hitting these headphones on this microphone. It's driving me crazy. Uh, Is you basically, there are two options for this Kickstarter. You can back it at the first pledge level, which is 50 bucks, where you get the core game and you get a foil card pack which i actually think is pretty cool it's like an old school throwback to like buying cards i don't know if people still do that but i used to um i uh, i would say the art hasn't changed much so that's not great for me um however i do want to point out the the sleeved sentinels version which is my goodness it's 125 dollars, so it's 75 dollars more than the base pledge level and you might be thinking oh my god i'm so excited it includes miniatures and <laughs> 3d pieces and i mean it's more than the new everdell <laughs> expansion big box uh but I I hate to break it to you, but you will be sorely disappointed to learn that it includes the same core game, 
the same one foil card pack and enough sleeves for the game and the foil cards. Now, to be clear, what your $75 of card sleeves gets you is 800 standard sleeves, which run you would run you, I did the math, $20 on Amazon right now, and 50 tarot size sleeves, which are probably running you three bucks, <laughs> and 50 villain size sleeves. Maybe that's a custom size, but probably also three bucks <laughs> if you search hard enough. Uh, I am just shocked, Kyle, <laughs> at the audacity to charge $75 for card sleeves on a game I already hated. <laughs> so, as a, as a person who likes Sentinels of the Multiverse more than me, I'm not going to call you a fan. If you are, you can say it. What do you think about this? And what do you think about this card sleeve pledge? That is... Okay, let me just start with not all sleeves are created equal, Josh. <laughs> That's, you know what? You're not wrong. That is so, very true. So, yes, I'm sure you can get that many sleeves for $20 on Amazon. I'm also certain that if you sleeved those cards and tried to stack them <laughs> in a pile, it would scatter to the thousand mile like winds and your cards would go sure, everywhere. Sure, and, and I agree. And you're right. These ones won't do that, right? Right. No, I'm you don't know not. that. <laughs> I'm really hoping not. Because otherwise, my, my whole argument is out the window. Uh, so I, I am guessing that... These look these like they're are, greater than games, their own sleeves. So it's not even done by a professional sleeving company. Okay, and I guess they're not even... Honestly, I thought these were going to be custom Sentinels of the Multiverse sleeves, but they're just greater than game sleeves. Oofta. Yeah, 75 bucks is a tough swallow. Sleeves are expensive. I'm not going to like if I mean, you want to get that quality expensive. sleeves. What's that? <laughs> I mean, they're not that expensive. I, if you want to get good sleeves, yes. um, they are they are expensive, right? I mean, if you get like a box of Dragon Shields, sure. for instance, you know, you're looking at 10, 12 bucks for a hundred sleeves. Hmm. Ten Bucks for okay, all right, yeah. So you're probably so then you're at more online, to, yeah, yeah, right. You know, so and that's where I say that it, it I, I get the price because good sleeves aren't cheap. Um, but it is at first blush when you look at it and you say, my goodness, for more than twice the price, the only thing I'm getting is sleeves. That is a hard sell for almost anyone. Yeah. Did you also notice that each pledge comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee? <laughs> it does. It does. That, I don't know that I've ever seen that on a board game Kickstarter. I don't ever. know that I have I don't know that I have either. I don't know that I have either. That's like, that's confidence. It is confidence. <laughs> what there was another I feel like if you were backing this on Kickstarter though, maybe this is a deal for the sleeves, but I feel like they should give you a deal on it. It doesn't, it doesn't, for me, that price, it doesn't make sense for a Kickstarter. Maybe a retail pledge where you have to buy the sleeves on your own. Right. But this does not make sense for a Kickstarter to me at all. The fact that, that that's all that is included and the giant price difference. And there's nothing in between. There's not like, it's just like, hey, we're just giving you the definitive edition of this game. That probably yeah. a lot of you already have. It's going to go with all these cards. Which is great. Like that's a lot of cards. Um, that's like that's 
what that's uh how did I lose it already? That's eight that's nine hundred cards with terrible art on them. You're getting so many cards for your dollar. <laughs> but any oh, a sleeve gracious. to protect that art, I I just can't I can't get behind it. <laughs> It, yeah, it is an interesting – when you think of all the other, like, cool things that people do with their Kickstarters in order to entice you to kind of go to um, the next level or upgrade to that cooler level of um, support, like, just having sleeves is, is not a thing. And maybe mm, – because this is something you'll often see in the pledge manager after the fact, right? You'll back a game, and then in the pledge manager, it'll be like, oh, if you want to get sleeves, like there's an add-on for like $30, right? I, I'm trying to remember, because when I got um, Seventh Continent, I got the sleeves. And I'm trying to remember how much of an add-on that was to get the sleeves for Seventh Continent. I can check. I, I know can... that I've kickstarted things with sleeves, too. I will say this. I, as As... Um, uh, comically on point as I am with this game, I will say the Definitive Edition's art is 1,000 times better, in my opinion, than the original art for the game. Well, that's good. Um, so for 50 bucks, I actually think this is a good deal. Am I going to get buy a no? Because, like, do I want to brand myself as a hypocrite? I'd just rather come across as a hypocrite <laughs> every once in a while. I don't want to have to... Have you remind me that I own the game every week when I right, crap right. on it? Um, the art looks much, much more better. Not, not even just the regular, like the base card, but the back of the card looks even better. Um, they really took some time to um, kind of just polish the game and actually spend some time on the art, which I can appreciate for sure. Um, and I'm still in the in the opinion that i would play this game again yeah i'm just okay. not promising anything <laughs> right okay josh uh i found my receipt for my kickstarter for seventh continent okay and car deluxe card sleeves were an add-on and it was 14 over 1400 sleeves and they say how much, they say deluxe think, card sleeves 1400 plus deluxe card sleeves how okay. much do you think the add-on was i mean for 1400 sleeves I'm trying not to use this as a base. Fifty bucks, sixty nine dollars. Okay, so they're not even touching this, right? So uh, it all the way literally double the number, <laughs> almost double the number of sleeves. Yeah, for six dollars less. Yeah, and they say deluxe card sleeves. Yeah, and they, they are, really are nice not. I I really like the sleeves. Markedly that, that. So yeah, interesting. I mean, I just think it, I think it's too much, and I think you helped me. I confirm that it's too much. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, you know, if these are super, super good quality, if they are Dragon Shield quality, then I think that's potentially a reasonable price. I just thought of it. But you're not going to agree with me, but this is literally polishing a turd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> we all have our own thoughts on that. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is, I don't know that I would ever back this at the sleeve price. By 50 bucks, I, I do agree. I think that that's actually a pretty good price for what looks like. If they did redid all of the card art, I think it's mm -hmm. worth it. Right. Yeah. So it is. And it, yeah, $50 for all the content there is, is a good deal. I think that yeah, but I nine, do think 900 the cards. That's great. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I do think the sleeves are are maybe a bridge too far. So for me, at least. But yeah. All right, Josh. Anything else about uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse? Your Don't favorite game? Don't buy it. 
Don't buy it. <laughs> okay. All right, Josh, as we roll into topic three here, have you looked at the link? There isn't a link. Don't, don't, li- don't, don't, don't look. Don't look. Don't there look. There isn't a link. Okay, perfect. Good. What do you mean? Okay, have Josh. I looked at the link? There isn't a link. Did don't, you hide okay, it? Just, just, just leave. No, no, don't, don't, don't look at anything. Don't There's look at no anything. link. <laughs> okay. Okay. Josh, Metacritic. Are you okay? Them. Do you think I there's am, a link? I am good. I am here? good, Josh. <laughs> it says articles here and it's blank. Josh. Are you okay? Just I let me fine. know if you're okay. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Metacritic has announced their publisher of the year for 2020, but Josh, who could it be? So, as you know, every year, Metacritic releases basically the the highest ranking publisher yes. for the for the year. So they just released their 2020 rankings. And Metacritic's ranking out this is coming from gameindustry.biz, but Metacritic's ranking is calculated based on four factors: average metascore, percentage of scored products with good reviews, percentage of scored products with bad reviews, and number of quote unquote great titles, which with which is a metascore of 90 or higher. Okay. So thinking about 2020, Josh, yeah, and the games that released, who do you think is the Metacritic Ugh. publisher of the year? Well, I think <clears throat> in the past it's been Ubisoft and CD Projekt Red. I was originally going to say Remedy, but when you said it takes into account like all these games that came out. Well, and keep in mind it's publisher, but that is a good thought. Because in 2019, yeah, in 2019, 505 Games was its number one thanks to the critical success of Control. Is, I I guess I'm always not, I always mess up between publisher and developer. Developer. So So Remedy is the developer, 505 was the publisher. All right. So who is the pub? So Sony would be the publisher for Insomniac? Yes. Okay. So Sony, I guess I would guess. That's a good guess, Josh. That is a good guess. That is that is not the correct answer. Sony was actually number four. Number four? Did they do Days Gone? Days Gone Spider-Man, was 2019. Miles Morales. So they had they would have had Ghost of Tsushima, um, Last of Us Part Two, Miles Morales, like all of that. Like yeah, oh, just uh, those. <laughs> well, Bloodborne or uh, Demon Souls. Yeah, all of those things. Yeah, they finished number four. <laughs> oh boy. Um. It's not Xbox, I'll tell you that. It's um, not Xbox. They were number six. It's not Bethesda. It right? is not Bethesda. They were act which they would um were not even in the top ten because you have to have a certain number of releases in the year, and I don't know if they met it. Who put is it platinum? It is not platinum. Is it a JRPG studio? Uh is a studio that has released some JRPGs. Is it Square Enix? It is not Square Enix. Oh boy. But I'm, I think I'm out of publishers that I readily know. The number one publisher in the year 2020, none other than... who does Yakuza? Sega. It is Sega, yeah. It was Sega. Sega wow. was the number one publisher of 2020. Um, That's crazy. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> and the reason being, uh, Persona 5 Royal, which is a Sega joint oh. and Yakuza Zero were the big <laughs> winners for them that yeah. in 2020. Um, so, yeah, Sega was the number one publisher last year. They were number 18, Josh. Wow. And number one this year. Second, though, was a little indie publisher whose games are consistently great, and that is Annapurna. I love Annapurna. So Annapurna that makes is sense. stunning. Uh, their games are so, so good. Capcom was three. Wow. What? Sony. What? Yep. <laughs> yeah, Capcom was three. Sony was number four. Uh, Activision Blizzard was five. Microsoft was six. Axis Games was seven. No More Robots was eight. Nintendo is number nine. And Devolver Digital was ten. Wow. 
So now that like, you say that, I really think developer digital should be higher on that list. I wasn't even, I mean, maybe that's why I wasn't even thinking of it. So maybe that's why they're so low. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think they do great games, but I think they're like, um, notably like less, um, mainstream. Huh. That's <clears throat> good for Sega. You know, they've been doing, they've been making games for so long that I guess they're overdue. They also do Bayonetta, right? Uh, well, Bayonetta, I think is, well, it's developed by Platinum and technically published by, I think, oh, Nintendo now Sega. for three. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> they did the first one though. Sega did publish the original oh, Bayonetta. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 So. Nice. So surprised then by Sega being number that's, one, I assume? Yeah. I'm very surprised. Yeah. Uh, where do you think uh, Electronic Arts was on the <laughs> list, Josh? I don't know. How how far down does the list go? <laughs> I think the list goes to like 28 or something like that. Uh, 25? <laughs> uh, they were number 21. Oh, 20, oh uh, hey, 33, good for them. Excuse me. 21 <laughs> of 33. So uh, it's actually really interesting, though, because the companies that are on here, uh, when you actually read through the um, detailed rankings, like Humble Bundle was number 18. As a publisher. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do they do? They do sort of ditto and something else. Let's see. For team... Uh, nope, that's, that was in 2020, team. though. That was in 2019. Uh, let's see. The indie publisher didn't have quite the critical success last year it had in 2019, despite some decently reviewed titles like the Metro Metroidvania Supraland and yes. Dust Builder One Step from Eden. Okay. Superland. Yeah. So those were their big games of the year. Just kind of looking through here. Bethesda was number 16. Okay. So. Huh. Um, but that was mostly because Doom Eternal was its high ranking game. Um, and these are obviously only ranking games that score on Metacritic. Because if it's an expansion or something that it doesn't stand alone or have a score, um, it's not going to do as well. Uh, UB- Ubisoft was number 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. 505 was number 13. Square Enix was number eleven. Okay. So, which is um, which is odd with Avengers and Final Fantasy VII remake coming out. Yeah, and they had um, the uh, Dragon Quest eleven. Yeah, you think they'd be high and some other stuff. They had a few games actually above ninety, I think. So that was very interesting that they um, had scored so low. But Nintendo just didn't have a ton of games. Um, in comparison to other years, henceforth, why they were a little bit lower. Um, Axis Games is really, really interesting, though, because they're the ones who do, like, the Code Realize games and all that stuff. So they have a very niche, like, tends to be those uh, – why am I blanking on the types of uh, – they're, like, walking simulators or um, – what the heck are they called? Like, the Danganronpa-style games? <laughs> I don't know. I know what you're. T- I know the name of the game you're saying, but I don't right. know the type of game it is. <laughs> okay, well, I'm blanking on the very. Does it choose your own adventures? It... Well, kind of, but yeah, it, they have their their typical, you know. So sure. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so yeah, uh, Annapurna had obviously a great year, but yeah, so Sega it really was Persona Five Royal and Yakuza Zero um, that helped carry it, but then they also published um, Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim, mm, a very um, popular which, game of last year. <laughs> that people seem to like and it did pretty well so <laughs> there you go the the rankings from metacritic for games released in 2020 best publishers there you go so with that josh we're on to our prediction time 
So uh, yeah. what, what do you think is going to be announced between the time we record this and the podcast releasing on Tuesday? There's been a, It was a hot week of news last week. So what do you yes. think is going to be released on Monday or talked about on Monday? You know, I was thinking that they were going to delay um, Returnal, but actually what I think is going to happen is they're going to delay Mass Effect Legacy Edition. Ooh, that's an, actually a really good one. That was I was tossing around as well as a possibility. I think they need more time. Um, we haven't seen anything else from the game except for that brief trailer. And I know that they don't necessarily have to show anything. But we literally have seen nothing from them, so I just get a little worried as we get closer to the release date. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point, and it's not that far away. We, you know, we're six, not even six weeks away from when it's supposed to come out, yeah. right? Yep. So, and Returnal's got gold, so you know that's not getting delayed at this point yeah. anymore, unless they want to be cyberpunk, like, like, like cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, my announcement, my I, this might happen Tuesday because you know random Tuesdays tend to be their their thing, uh, but PlayStation's got to do something positive they had a rough week of news really, <laughs> oh really we didn't even talk news. about it <laughs> uh so they got to do something yeah. uh to uh, positive and i don't know they, what that's gonna be they had two two really big things happen to them we didn't even talk about <laughs> i know they had a really bad week they had a really bad week so uh they need to get their stuff together that is for sure how did they're, we not talk about that <laughs> you i gave you every opportunity to, and you, did, you didn't bring it up that's my fault <laughs> So, yeah, it's just because you knew how sad it would make me, so you didn't want to make me exactly. Sad I don't want to make you sad. <laughs> oh, that was very nice of you, Josh. Thank you. If you want to play a sports so. game, don't do it on the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, oh, and I do want to point out, Josh, that there is a link in my topic. It's just on the period. It's you are so clever, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I didn't want you to see. You're as as so clever. As soon as you click on it, it says Sega is Metacritic's publisher. It literally the says article is here. You're so clever. I hope I you're proud I, of yourself. <laughs> I am pretty proud. I am pretty proud. Um, okay, so Josh says that Mass Effect is getting delayed, which would be a <laughs> bummer. Oh yeah, for sure. It would be uh, a bummer. Though I will say, we are getting into a time of year though where games are starting to like come out, and like a decent number of them in the next eight weeks really yes so it's that time of year we'll see how many of these stick seems like most of them at least in the near future are except for maybe mass effect so that's josh's prediction mine is playstation is going to hopefully say something positive in the next two days (laughs) but we'll see what happens (laughs) all right we do have a listener question josh why don't you take us through it oh we do uh splig at the delicious on twitter jumps in with a hey i'm bored with vg uh where does gaming go from here hard to imagine what's next console wise and i i uh what is my answer okay so he says hard to imagine what's next console wise i also kind of think that was true for this generation of consoles and now that we have them i think our answer is um accessories and adaptability So where do we go from here? Well, the next consoles, we're probably looking at more VR integration, more AR integration. Uh, We know Microsoft still has HoloLens. We know PlayStation has PSVR. Uh, PlayStation is at least admitted they're invested in VR. We can see Oculus is doing very well, becoming uh, mainstream and, and affordable, and we're seeing that that technology is finally here because I can remember so many points in my life 
where VR was attempted and just didn't work. And that's that's from all different ideas of VR, like me going to the arcade where they had that machine where it had a treadmill to mm-hmm. um, the PS uh, PlayStation 3D TV, um, all these different like iterations of attempts to do a, a version of virtual reality where it seems like we're in even 3D movies, which didn't really take off. So I think we're finally there. So do I think all our next-gen consoles are going to be 3D? No, but I do think that it'll be integrated in some way. And it has to keep up with television technology, right? So that's going to be the big thing, right? It's going to be kind of like how you upgrade computers. It's going to be frames and teraflops and Ks. Whatever, how many Ks you can support and however many Ks your eyes can see. But there'll always be a gimmick, and that is the most important part. Because just because you can go by an 8K TV right now does not mean, one, you can tell the difference between 8K and 4K, two, your TV can receive the signal to do that, and three, that the internet can provide the bandwidth to view that. So there's so much gimmick involved. Luckily, I think how we're we are we at with the console generations is I would say we used to be eight years off from a new console. I think we're probably more close to four years off from a different version of the consoles we have, whether it's like slims or pros or whatever. But we're to the point in consoles where it's more comparable to graphics cards and computers where you're constantly upgrading them. So I think really it's that's where we're headed. We're headed to piecemeal console gaming. And I know a lot of people don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I Right now, if I had to guess, I feel like the future of gaming consoles is going to be almost like what Microsoft is doing in that there's going to be a very affordable entry and a much more expensive top of the line. But that by the time the future get like whenever we get to this point, that that very affordable entry console is going to be the bulk of what people are getting, and the expensive one is going to become the niche or the niche, depending on how you how you pronounce it. <laughs> because, like you talked about, Josh, we're getting to the point where yes, television technology and display technology can keep going, but there's going to be a point where as consumers we're going to be like yo like it just doesn't matter anymore right yeah. like we're, yep. we're and i think we're getting to that point you know the the jump to it took h like the adoption from hd to 4k has been faster than it was from standard to hd if i recall but i don't know that the adoption for, i think the adoption from 4k to 8k is going to slow down or if it doesn't it's just because that's what tv manufacturers are making not necessarily because people want them and are seeking them so i genuinely feel like with the power of our current consoles i would anticipate the next console is going to be more powerful but it's not going to be the huge jump because it's going to be about convenience and accessibility and just like, you know, Netflix used to send DVDs to people. <laughs> um, now people don't care as much about image quality. They would rather just watch it on the convenience of streaming on their Netflix. And I'm not saying necessarily we're going to go full streaming for video games. Uh, I think that's still a future that's probably a decent amount of way, at least in big parts of the United States. But I think we are going to get to a point where good enough is going to be, it's going to be in some ways what Nintendo does. Yeah. 
It's just going, it's going to be good enough. And it's going to be, this is good enough for what I need. I don't need to have the best of the best, the top of the line. And it wouldn't even surprise me if at the end of this generation, you see even more of that, that you see more Xbox One S's versus X's being sold, unless the prices change drastically, which obviously will probably happen. Um, But if you could get an S, like imagine in a couple of years, if the price of an S goes down a hundred bucks, you know, like, you know, like. (laughs) <laughs> Why not? You know, then at that point and, and that I think will start to signal the transition and, and we'll see more of that, um, that people are good enough is going to be what we go for, not necessarily the cream of the crop. But it, it's important to note that good enough is going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, yeah. like and I think that's what you hit with like Netflix, like the streaming has gotten good enough where even if it's not as good as it could be for most people, it's still pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So. I think Agreed. that's where we're going. All right, Josh. Well, let's go ahead and kind of move towards wrapping the show up with our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, this is a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing that we're into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what's your recommendation this week? My recommendation is a comedy special on Netflix that I've watched three times now. <laughs> wow, three? I've only uh, watched it once. It is uh, Nate Bargatze's uh, The Greatest Average American. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched it by myself, and then I watched it with my wife, and then I watched it with my dad. Um, but he was not really paying attention, but I was paying attention. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's, I love Nate Bargatze. I think, I believe, I was following him on Last Comic Standing, I think is what he was on one of the first two seasons and um, him and uh, Tommy Jonigan were two people. I think were both on that, that I really enjoy their t- style of humor. Um, but this is just another great special. It's outside. It's during COVID um, people are wearing masks and they're six feet apart. And there's some funny helicopter gags as helicopters cruise over his outside stand up special. Um but I just I just really like his humor, and he dresses COVID as well, and and gets some funny COVID jokes in there, um, as far as what life is like during this pandemic, and uh, it's just nice to see the comedy gap filled. Like we haven't had a lot of stand-up specials because of the pandemic, so um, it's nice to see this start happening. But I really enjoyed it a lot, and I think he's very funny. He definitely has a particular delivery and style so if that's not for you then that's fine but um i really enjoyed it a lot so that's nate bargatze's the greatest average american and one thing i really like about nate bargatze is that he's pretty much i think completely clean he's 100 percent clean yeah no doesn't service. swear like none of his he doesn't really go into taboo topics really ever uh which you don't see all that often with comics these days and it's hard i think it's harder to yeah to do that no absolutely so he is he's he's a good one i really enjoy his stuff it's great that was actually going to be my recommendation and then i saw that josh recommended it so (laughs) i'm going off i this is hard for me because i was going to recommend this but then i didn't get as far into it as i wanted to so i was going to do the nate bargazzi thing but since you did i feel like i have to go back to this (laughs) okay it sounds like you put a, too much thought into this. <laughs> I did put a lot of thought into it. Josh, I am partway through a series that is 10 episodes on Netflix. Okay. Josh, have you ever heard of the series Sweet Home? Uh, is is it with Catherine McPhee? Josh, Sweet Home, <clears throat> reading from the Wikipedia, is an apocalyptic horror South Korean oh, no. television series. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> 
based okay. on the Naver webtoon of the same name. Um, which that webtoon has recorded over 2.1 billion net views. I'm sorry, you're watching a horror series. Yes, and I am, Josh. I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, it's called Sweet Home. It is. What it is world Korean. do I live in? <laughs> I know, and it is. Yeah, it's very interesting. It you can watch it with English dubs, but I am watching it subtitled. Um, it is. Oh, Josh, it is very interesting. The I'm creature, adding it to my list. <laughs> are you adding it to your list? The the special effects waver between pretty good yeah. and really bad. The creature designs that are sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The creature designs are interesting for the most part. They've done some they do some different things that I haven't seen, but I'm definitely not the horror connoisseur you are. But I thought I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something to see this is something different. Maybe Josh will be proud of me of expanding I my I am proud. I'm shocked. Of expanding what I'm doing <laughs> here. Um and so here's what's very weird about this and this I don't know if is connected or not, Josh. The original Resident Evil yeah. is based off of a game on the original Nintendo called Sweet Home. Okay, I didn't know but that. But I don't know if this is connected to that. I have to assume it is in some way, but well, I don't know, you know for certain. Um, so yeah, so this is what I'm watching. It's 10 episodes, um, about halfway through. Uh, and really, the, the premise of the series is a group of people living in a high-rise Um are basically locked in when all crud breaks loose in their town. Um, and it's basically them trying to survive in their high-rise with all the different personalities, all the different types of people. Uh, and it's really interesting. Now, let me say, if you are a fan of horror, go to town. If you are not a fan of horror, <laughs> uh, there is some hardcore content in this show. Um, and not just from like a gore perspective, which there is a, a lot, but also just from a content perspective and the things they address, um, including mental health and some self-harm. I mean, there are some deep, deep themes in this show uh, that are not totally unusual for the horror genre to explore, but it is done um, very unapologetically. Uh, so just be aware of that. There are some warnings on the show about, hey, this covers like these topics in the little rating thing in the upper left. They are not joking about those things like they definitely cover them. Um, but if you're interested in horror and you're interested in especially some Korean horror, uh, I recommend it. I've I've been enjoying my time with it as much as I guess you can enjoy a horror sit. Um, but it, it's been pretty interesting and, and good to watch uh, and just the minor, right amount of creepy for me. So. Well, allow me to educate you. Yeah. Sweet Home is a complete... Well, okay, so Sweet Home um, is a live-action live adaptation based on the 2017 Sweet Home webtoon comic. Right, and I don't know if that's based on... Old so Sweet Home stuff. is a complete 141-episode thriller comic written by Young Chan Huang and illustrated by Can uh, Carnby Kim, the duo behind the bastard webtoon. It is currently available to read on webtoon for free. And the 16-episode live-action adaptation is currently airing um, on Saturdays and Sundays on Netflix in, I think, Korea, which adds a new character, Seo Yi Kyung. Um, so it looks like it's actually just uh, from their own original webtoons. It's not based off of Resident Evil, as I scroll down more. Because like I said, um, you know, when you look up Sweet Home, the video game is a survival horror video game 
developed and published by Capcom, and it was based on the Japanese horror film of the same name. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't so, even it doesn't refer to the horror film either. Um, but I mean, I guess there's also a prequel for it called Shotgun Boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I just didn't know if there was any because I like I said I knew that you know the old Sweet Home was the kind of the main inspiration for Resident Evil, and just when you watch this, Josh, if you do watch it, yeah, I'm gonna watch like, it. <laughs> I can see where there's some Resident Evil in this, so that's where I just didn't know sure. like what the. Yeah. So. Well, it's nice to know there's 141 episodes of the comic, so they definitely have content if they want to make They more. do definitely have content. So, But yeah, so check it out if you want to. That's Sweet Home on Netflix. 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 Ooh, the the <laughs> Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? That sounds like a great idea. By the way, I had to explain NFTs to my family today at Easter. That was fun. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of the Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board of the Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at Board of the Fiji at gmail.com. Uh, we also tag our stuff with hashtag Board of the Fiji. So please do the same. Let us know what you're doing. We will search that hashtag to see what's going on. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and Twitch and Steam. And I'm on I'm on Nintendo, but like, come on. Uh, at Why So Serious, that's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.